morning, everyone. We are so glad to have you here today. My name is Monica, and this is Lee. Hi, Monica. Hi. Lee, uh, what do you do around here? Mm, that's a good question. Hmm. Um, do you guys know what, what we do? What does Lee do around here? What, what? Oh, see, Mike Miller. We got one of our elders who's like, I don't know. Okay. No uh, any guesses on what Lee does? She's creative. Okay. Awesome. Nice. Help with the communications from time to time. All those emails. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then does anyone know what Monica does? Yeah, you know. I know you know. So Brett knows. Anyone? Any guesses? Connections, I heard. Care of hospitality. hospitality. Oh, oh, Lori. That's so great. Well, I, uh, I, I love hearing that. Hey, so. Totally going out of order for announcements, but it's fun to see what people do around here. It's fun to see people use their gifts. Um, there are so many options around here, behind the scenes, up front, so many teams. And so we are so excited. We're going to offer something in two Sundays. It's called Intro to Serving. If you are new here, if you've been here for a long time and you go, I'm looking for my place around here. I'm looking to figure out what I can do around here. Um, you can come to that. And if you say, I don't even want to wait two weeks, I kind of want to jump into that now, because I can't ever say the website. Lee, where would they go to fill that out? MyLCC.info. There should be a contact link on the homepage if you want to let us know what you're interested in, and we'll put you just right back in touch with Monica, actually. Yes. That goes right to you. Right there. <laughs> you can just come talk to me, or somebody yeah. who's serving in a role, and you go, what do you do? And I, I kind of want to do that, too. Lots of options. Yeah. So for those of you at home and those of you here, we will be doing communion this morning. Um, we like doing that once a month just to remember Jesus' sacrifice, um, giving his body for us. And I wanted to recap about yesterday. No, let me backtrack. Last Sunday, you all delivered grocery bags to the neighborhoods, and a bunch of you came out and helped us pick those filled bags up yesterday. And we were able to collect, I heard from Adam at the food pantry, 2,200 pounds of food. Wow. Not just that, but we tried something new, yes. And we attached um, envelopes so you, people could give financially. We collected over $1,000. Wow. Which, if you think that's a big wait, amount, wait, wait, wait. do you know? Okay, so I was trying to do the math. So the food pantry has the ability to buy food and make the dollar stretch. So $1 is equivalent to $9.50 of groceries. So that $1,000 goes to a That's big like $9, number. $9,500 worth of groceries, right? There That's it is. Math. That's awesome. There's the math, creative yeah, communication. So thank you, everyone, for um, jumping in and, and serving our community that way. That's awesome. Um, OK, wait. One more thing, right? So then is next? No, next week is not the first Two Sunday Sundays, like your Two intro Sundays, to serving. Two Sundays, first Sunday of the month. Which means intro to serving is actually in three Sundays. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So, okay. You know how I am with my dates. So first Sunday of the month, we are back for first Sunday lunch. So you can bring your lunch. If you want to bring something to your table to share, if you like to bring dessert or a little side, feel free. We're going to have our table set up, and we're going to enjoy just getting to know people around here. Nice. So that's yeah. all we have for you. Let's go ahead and stand, stand and we're going to start worshiping together. The city of Thessaloniki sits on the coast of the Aegean Sea in northern Greece. It's a large city with a significant regional influence, and it is quite literally built on top of the ancient city of Thessalonica. In the first century, that ancient city was a thriving metropolitan area and home to many Jews of the diaspora who freely worshiped Yahweh in their own synagogue. In his travels, the Apostle Paul visited Thessalonica, spending a short season there sharing the good news of Jesus. Many Jews and Gentiles received the message and became followers of Christ. Shortly after Paul's visit, 
he received a good report about the faith of this young church. And the book of 1 Thessalonians is his God-inspired letter of encouragement to them to stay the course and keep up the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. While the letter addresses many topics, it clearly focuses on the promised return or appearing of Jesus in the future to put an end to the persecution and suffering of the saints. Join us as we look at this letter and ask how we can grow from the word of God as given to the church at Thessalonica. This is the book of 1 Thessalonians, or a study in urgently waiting. Well, good morning. Glad you're with us. Um, uh, it is often enough, I often forget to introduce myself. My name is Tom. Uh, I'm the teaching pastor here. I'm, I'm up here about half the time, and we have just a, what a gift of, or a, it is a gift from God that we have so many gifted people around that, that share in this uh, role of teaching. But also, like, behind the scenes, what we do with um, even preparing this, we do it as a group, um, uh, a, a group of, of just spirit-led people uh, looking at the Word. And so we are, we're looking at the book of 1 Thessalonians. This is in your, if, if you have your Bibles in the New Testament, we're going to be in chapter 2 today. Um, if you want to turn there, we're going to read that in just a minute. But I, I want to just point out something out that, that's a reality, like, and it's this truth, right? A lot can happen in three months, Okay. Three months doesn't sound like a very long time, but a lot can happen in three months. Um, you know, three months ago, there was a football team that was losing to the Browns that almost won the Super Bowl, right? That seems like a long way to go in three months. Um, you know, we hear stories all the time of people who, who are single, they meet, and marry, uh, meet, meet someone, and they get married, like, quickly, sometimes in as little as three months. But we oftentimes tend to think, like, that's just not a lot of time. It's about the time that um, many of you, like, if, if you were like me, you experienced, say, say a summer internship. And I want to I share about a summer internship that I had in uh, 1995. <clears throat> Don't do the math, um, because I was four years old when, when the, I had this internship. Um, but, but a summer internship in 1995, that internship was, was at, uh, this is a real place, I promise, the First Baptist Church of Homosassa. Um, which is a, it is a uh, fishing, shrimping little town on the, the Florida coast, okay? Um, and I, uh, I, w- I was an intern there. I worked with young people. Uh, I spent three months there, basically, right? Like end of May through, um, through August and um, worked with, with young people. I was like in charge of the youth group. I showed up and they were like, there's kids over there. Go deal with them, right? Like small church. They didn't have anyone on staff that worked with the kids and um, their, their volunteer base was pretty thin and very worn out by the time I got there, but they really, like, they did a lot with their, with their, uh, their uh, middle school and high school students. And so I spent three months riding go-karts, and uh, they, went, they went to Christian skate night at the roller rink, like, every week, if, I, if that's a blast from the past. So that we went roller skating together. And in Florida, we did a thing called tubing, okay? I don't know if that's something you all did in Ohio, but we hopped in inner tubes and just floated down the river together. Uh, in Florida, though, dodging snakes and the occasional, um, the occasional alligator, uh, which is fun when you're in charge at 19 years old of about 30 kids floating down the river and you see an alligator. Um, but, but I also spent a lot of time like, getting to know these kids. Um, <clears throat> and I was like, you know, 10 minutes older than them, but <laughs> many of them. But, but I, got, I got to know several of them. <clears throat> I grew really close and attached to, uh, to Tommy, which, which, you know, shared his namesake, um, or shared his name. Um, Tommy, and, and, uh, and, and there was a uh, gal named Danielle that, that just really seemed to respond to my 
teaching with them. Um, there was Joey and Danny brothers, everybody in Homosassa, all the boys' names ended in that E sound, you know, Tommy, Joey, Danny. Um, and, um, and, and a girl named Amanda. Like, and, and so I, I spent those three months, and we got to the end of those three months, and they, they did kind of like a, a, a Sunday evening service where it was like, you know, Tommy Burns is leaving, he's going back to college, and, and they, you know, they said some nice things about me, and they, and, 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 and shared just some stories about their summer and things that they felt like I'd learned. It was really, it was, it was touching for me. It was a, it was, it was very nice. Um, it was honestly, my, uh, my, my father, who was a pastor at a different church in the area, came to, the, to that Sunday night, and I'll, I just, like, it's, it stands out to me because in my, my entire life with my dad, I saw him cry just like once or twice, very rarely, and he did that night. Like, that meant so much to him. What, what was said about his son in that short, from that short period of time that he spent with those people. It, it really, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. And, and I say that because three months, three months is about the period of time that the Apostle Paul spent in Thessalonica, okay? That's about all the time he spent. We would look at it and say, like, that's not a lot of ministry time, right? Honestly, like, that's not a lot of time. I mean, imagine if, you know, we had just a revolving door of a different leader in our church every three months, okay? Now, that's not necessarily what's happening in Thessalonica, but they did have Paul come through, introduce them to the gospel, and then he was run out of town. And so, we're going to be looking at, <clears throat> today, we're going to be looking at, um, in chapter two, uh, this, this he, he, he continues a reflection on his time with them, and he, and he, he reflects on the story but just to set up as quickly as possible, again, here's where Thessalonica is. That's, uh, you see, Italy off to the left, and Athens and Corinth down um, at, at the southern area in Greece, and Thessalonica was up in the region of Macedonia. It was right on the coast, a significant city. And, and Paul, Paul was there. He spent just a little bit of time before he was run out of town. There were people who warmly received the message of Jesus, but there were also people who didn't want him around. And so, so they, they ran him out of town by having... Uh, one of the leaders of this young church thrown in prison. Um, and so Paul leaves and goes to Berea, and, and then the, the, the leaders from the, the Jewish people who ran him out of town in Thessalonica, they go to Berea, run him out of town. He winds up down in Athens. It's believed that he wrote this letter that we're reading from that city of Corinth. Okay? So he, he, it, it, he, he wrote this shortly after he was in the city of Thessalonica. And, and again, to set this up, because in order to understand what we're, what we're looking at and talking about, Remember, there's the, the Bible, and, and we can see this all over Paul's writing, it gives us a four-part story for all the work of God from beginning, from Genesis through Revelation, okay? That God creates, but then man sins, okay? Humanity sins. And so we have a world that God, that God created the way it ought to be, but then, <clears throat> but then sin has corrupted it. So we find ourselves in the world that just sort of is. It's a world that's broken, but... It moves on to that, the chapter in the bottom left. There's redemption, and that is the bulk of the scriptures. It's the story of redemption. It's the promise of God sending one who's going to make it right. Okay? He takes what's broken by sin, and he makes it right. It's redeemed. But then there's this fourth chapter. It's the chapter of recreation, the, the, a new heavens, a new earth, a new world that God makes where he, he re restores the conditions that always ought to have been. And so we look at that as the, 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 the chapter in the story that, 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 that we look forward to by faith to say, that's the world that will be, 
Okay? We, we trust, God, that you're going to take all of the brokenness and all of the things that we wrestle with and all of the, the, the redemptive work will be completed in a new world. And in the book of 1 Thessalonians, just as a reminder, they were really focused on that recreation. We see it in passing in almost every passage in, in 1 Thessalonians. And, and as we move through the book, we're going to see very directly some, some questions addressed about it. But Paul's, in Paul's writing, he's saying, he's saying, look, don't get so caught up or focused in that last chapter that you lose sight of the fact that you're living in the present. He encourages them. It's a positive letter. He's not, he doesn't, he's not really scolding them. There's not a, a, a large amount of correction going on. <clears throat> but he's reminding them that while there is a coming kingdom of God that will, <clears throat> that will set them free from any of the persecution or the trouble that they face now, they are living in a world at present that we participate with God in his work by faith, okay? There's, there's, there's work to do. And last week, Dan reminded us or, or, or showed, pointed out to us what Paul was reminding them of, that, that there's these two paths. There's a path that's motivated by pleasing man. There's a path that's motivated by pleasing God. And, and the path that pleases God is motivated by our love for others, and it promotes the gospel. But the, the lower path, the path that there's an option where Paul says, we didn't come to you with flattery. Like, we didn't try to flatter you and, 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 and try to, to, to make the goal our own greed or having a better life for ourselves. Which brings us to today in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. We're going to read through this um, in total, this whole section. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, through the end of chapter 2, verse, which is uh, verse 20. So let's read, and, and I'll read this, and you can follow with me on the, on the screen or in your Bible either way. It says this. And Paul, Paul writes, and he says, and we, Paul and his companions, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, you the Thessalonians, <clears throat> Thessalonians, when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them at last. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. All right. So Paul remains, he's very positive about the church in Thessalonica here. He, this, this theme throughout the book of, of you're doing great. Like, you know, you've done the right things. That theme maintained, is maintained here. But just to, to, um, <clears throat> to recap what, what he is saying here, first thing he says is, look, I, I thank God. It's, it's a fascinating way to say it. Because we tend to say this, right? And, and think about this. Paul says, I thank God for you constantly. Okay? We tend to do this. We tend to say, you, you've stayed the course, and I'm going to thank you for that. Okay? But Paul's perspective is different where he says, I thank God 
for you. It's God working in you. It's not you in your own effort. That's an important distinction that we'll say a little bit more about as we go through this. He said, but they, he says, thanks God that they had received the message eagerly. They'd received the message that Paul brought to them. They, they, had, they had made it their own. He, he also encourages them because they've suffered persecution, but that persecution was shared. He says, we, we had the same persecution when, in our, where we came from. And he, when he says Judea, he's talking about Jerusalem, the center of, of, of the religious world for, for the, these Jewish people who had accepted the, the, that Jesus was the Christ, the Messiah, and then from there had gone out, as the, the book of Acts tells us, from Jerusalem to Judea, then to Samaria, and then all the ends of the earth. And Paul is in what would be considered the ends of the earth at that point in time, that this message had gone out from there. And he says, look, you are living the same thing that we lived, which was our own people refusing to accept the message of Jesus and taking it out on us and taking it out on us. And then he, he laments that he's been unable to return to them. And, and um, I just want to camp on this for a minute because you may have noticed this. He says, he says we, you know, I've wanted to come back and see you. He says, but Satan hindered me. Now, we don't get much else about that. It, we, like, there's no sort of ancillary story anywhere else that tells us what that was. Um, but but it, it's clear that Paul had this desire to go back to them and he understood that, that there was a barrier that was keeping him from doing it. And it wasn't just circumstance. It wasn't just difficulty. That there was spiritual challenge. Satan was hindering it, was keeping it from happening. And we need, to, we need to come to terms. This is the main point of the morning, but we need to come to terms with the reality that everything we're talking about here, everything that we see in the scriptures, everything that's happening in life is happening in these sort of parallel realms, right? Like Paul's experiencing the real world in the physical, temporary, temporal circumstances of his life. But at the same time, at the very same time, there's an enemy of God's who's at work. And that enemy is hindering this, is keeping it from happening. And having the eyes to see that, understanding that, that as he would write later on to the church in Ephesus, that we don't wrestle against flesh and against blood. We're wrestling against spiritual forces. That our, our, our battle is not just one of, of the, this time and place, but our battle is, is, is occurring. It's taking place in spiritual places. So, so in, in the book of Ephesians, his letter to, to this, this other church, he, he says, like, take up these spiritual weapons, prayer, salvation, the scriptures, that those are the things we fight with, not the tools of the world, because our battle is not the same as the battle of the world. So he recaps these, these things, that you've received the message, and, the, and receiving that message has caused some suffering. And he says, and, and I've been unable to return to you. I want to get to you, but I've been unable to. And so as we look at this a little bit deeper, let's talk about three things, okay? And it's a Sunday morning sermon. I, they're not alliterated, so don't worry. Uh, they might be. I didn't even check. Okay, um, they're not. Um, but let's talk about, there's three things that we would say are these sort of three eternal values that Paul puts forward here. Remember, all of this is in the backdrop of, of a, a church that is, by, by, by uh, the account that came to Paul, this is a thriving church. These are people who are, who are eager about, about the, the, the word and the ministry of God, okay? And he's, he's encouraging them 
in these three ways. And he says there's three things that, that are lasting. There's three things that are really important here. And the first one may seem extremely obvious, but he says it in, on average in every verse. Seven times. We have seven verses there. Seven times Paul says. Seven times Paul says, the Lord God or the Lord, our Lord Jesus. He references over and over again that at the center, at the heart of everything that's going on is God himself. Now, that's, that's piggybacks on what we just said, right? If, if one is true, that there's a spiritual battle that's taking place and that spiritual battle has real impact on us and our efforts and our energies and what we're doing in our physical world, the opposite is true as well, right? That God is at work every bit as much as Satan. That God is, God is the one that, that we look to first. God is the one that deserves our attention. Where do, we, just say, where do we set our eyes when we face trouble or when we have a decision to make or we're engaging in our world and we have important questions to answer? Where's the first place that we turn? Who do we, de- who do we see as the power behind what's going to happen? I, I have to be honest. Like when, I face, when I face a challenge, when I face a challenge, confession, I don't ask, is God big enough for this challenge? Or in what way can God move in this challenge? I say, do I have the resources to handle this, to take care of this? It's the way I, it's, I think it's, it's the way I'm, I, I'm wired, but I, I bet for most of you it's the same way. We, our tendency when we're facing a difficulty is to say, what resources do I have available in order to meet this challenge? What tools do I have in my toolbox to meet this challenge? And the perspective that Paul's sharing is that it's God who's, who's working at this. He, remember, we, we can read those verses and we can focus on Satan hindering him. But here's the reality. He mentions Satan once. And he talks about the power of God seven times in this. And so one of the, one of the eternal values, one of the eternal values that we see in this is that, that it's, it's God's authority that we bow to, it's God's power that we work through, and it's God's ends, just as Dan shared with us last week, it's God's ends that we're moving towards. Everything else is a distraction from that. Everything else is a distraction from that. So keep that in mind. Everything that we talk about here is through this lens of this is all directed at the work of God. The second eternal value, and we're gonna camp here a little bit um, a little bit more. But the second eternal value is, is the people of God. The people of God. Um, it's not the systems of the world. It's not the institutions, even the religious institutions. It's the people that we can shorthand call like the church, the gathering with a capital C, the gathering of, of all those who, who follow Christ. But he says, you together... You are, these people, look at, look at these verses. Look at verse 19 and 20. Just, this is the tail end of that section, but look at what it says. It says, for what, Paul writes, for what is our hope, our or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Remember that backdrop of like Christ is coming, there's a future reality? He says, what are we, like when he shows up, what do we want to be true? Like wh- how will we know if there's, if there's joy? How will we know if there's been impact? And look at verse 20. It says, you, 
church in Thessalonica, you are our glory and joy. Now that's fascinating because glory and joy are like big high church words, right? Like glory, glory to God, right? And yet it's fascinating here that Paul says, you are our glory and joy. We are so intertwined in this that, that you are the, the reason that, that we have joy in God. Your, your, like, your life, your faithfulness, we are, we are tied, connected in ways that, that as you go, we go. That's a fascinating statement, and it's so far from where we live. Um, so, so he says this, he says something that, that, about this also. I mentioned Ephesians once before, but he says this again in Ephesians chapter 1 at the very end. He says this. The, the pronouns here will need some work because there's context to it, but verse 22, he says, he put all things under his feet. So God the Father put all things under his, Jesus, his son, under the son's feet, and he gave him, Jesus, as head over all things to the church. So just summary in verse 22 Jesus is in charge of the church. I just mentioned the, the collective followers of, of, of Christ. Like, Jesus is in charge. He's in head. But look, he's the head. But look at verse 23 where he says this, which is his body, the church. Not only is Jesus is the head, he's in charge, he's the top. But the church is his body. And then look at this, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That the church, this is, this is the work of God through Jesus on earth the church. It's the eternal value. Not the, but, but not the, the symbols of the church, the, the, the people of the church, the, the, that God works through those who, who are gathered together in the name of Christ. This is the fullness of God in Christ. It's easy to look at, at again, not not necessarily specific institutions, churches, but it's easy to, there too, but it's easy to look at the church and look at and see nothing but flaws. I'm a, I'm a hopeless pessimist, okay? I am by nature. The hope of the gospel is, is a real step of faith in my life. I don't, I don't see it with my own eyes. But in some amazing way, that I can, all I can say is it's not how I would have done it if I was God. He's put the power of, of his work in the hands of these, this flawed group. Because remember, there's sin in the story, but there's also redemption. There's also redemption. So we're the fullness of God's work. The church is God's plan. The church is God's plan, and we, we can't. Should we try to opt out? Should we say, I, I, I love you, God, but I don't love the church, so I'm going to have nothing to do with it? Understand this. Those two things can't cohabitate. They don't live together. Because God says, my plan is the church. You can't love the work I'm doing and not love the tool that I'm saying is the, the tool that gets used to do it. And so with all the flaws and all the ugliness, all the failures, this is still God's plan. The fullness of his plan is in the church, the body of believers. And the third thing, 
that's eternal here is the word of God. The word of God. Look back at verse 13. He says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. They received the word of God. The, that the word there is, um, it's, a, it, it's, it's kind of a, it's a specific and yet general word that just sort of means like the totality of the truth. Now, you received all the truth about God that we would tend to read into that, like we would tend to read into that, um, th- th- like a capital W word, meaning like the scriptures. And I, that's a fair way to say it, that we believe that the Bible is, it's, it sufficiently tells us everything that we need to know about God and his work and us and the world. Like everything we need to know is there. And yet when Paul writes this letter, they didn't have, that all wasn't written. He, like he's in the moment writing a piece of it for them. Does he know that? I don't know, but he is. There was many other letters to be written. There's, there, there's no reason to believe even that the Gospels had been widely circulated, that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and, and definitely not John, had been circulated. So what Paul is saying is, you heard the message of the Gospel of good news in Jesus, how he fulfills the promise of what we call the Old Testament or God's first covenant, God's first promise, how he fulfills it, and you, you received it. You received it. You heard it. You accepted it. It's like he's just firing off these verbs to try and get us to understand like it became part of you. And he goes on, verse 14, for you brothers became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. Like, you, you got in line, we've, we've referenced this before in some of the things we talk about, you got in line be- behind people who came before you that are in Judea, for you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews. You see what he says is, like, you're suffering at the hands of the people around you because you've accepted the good news about Jesus. I went back to the First Baptist Church of Homosassa, not recently, um, two years later. I went back. Um, it was a reunion tour, right? So, so we were going to, uh, we were gonna, I was going to work another summer down there. Um, it was a summer right after I finished college and wasn't exactly sure. Actually, I, I was engaged at that point. I knew that Florida wasn't a long-term plan. And so, again, I think two years after I'd been there, the, the youth leaders were worn out again, and, and anyone will do. Please come help us. Okay? So I came back. And um, a lot of the same kids were there, the ones I'm, Tommy, Danielle, uh, uh, Joey, Danny, Amanda, they were still there, okay? They'd grown up. Um, they had a bit more of uh, a jaded cynicism about them um, than they had the two years earlier. It was clear to me when I got together with them that they were, um, that, that they were, um, there were, there were I, I couldn't, I don't feel like I could have given the same report about them that Paul gives about the church in Thessalonica. Okay, that they'd wandered. Okay, um, but the thing that stands out about that is I went back two years later, and um, I just really, um, I I really wanted to pursue like teaching these kids the the love and the grace of Christ, and I got really beat up by the pastor of that church. 
Um, he wasn't so interested in that. He wanted the kids to sort of, like I sort of hinted at earlier, just kind of, can we, these kids are causing problems. Can we get them to the side? Can you go manage them? I'm not worried about them and their hearts and their souls. And to this day, I would say, um, and, and I came in with some wounds. Like, I came in with some hurt and some pain to that, that second uh, time at, at First Baptist Church of Homosassa. And honestly, I, he kind of exploited my pain. And he hurt me. Like, I, it's, been, it's been a while, right? And I still, I've got some of those scars. They're still there. They're, and they're sensitive to the touch. And I respond in my life in certain ways to, to certain authorities or voices based on sort of unconscious pain from this time. And, and, and in looking at this and in, in processing just this passage with the teaching team, I, I realized that, that one of the things that hurts so much about that is that he should have known better, right? Like, I expected something from him that I didn't get. I expected him to embrace what I was going to do with these kids. I expected him to be excited about, about you know, growing them and helping to, to, to give them opportunities to, to lead and to move and to serve. <clears throat> and when he didn't, I, I'm sure I was young. I'm sure I responded with, with uh, immature selfishness too. But just like Paul writes the church in Thessalonica and says, like, look, here's the thing. You suffered at, at the hands of your own people, right? Like, what about that poignant pain when it's family who doesn't recognize the change in us because we've been near Jesus? Or our, our best friend that we've been with forever, and now we're, we're beginning to, <clears throat> to re really reckon with God's work in our life. <clears throat> and they miss the old you. And that has a cost. There's a pain in that, right? There's a pain in it. And often that, that pain, <clears throat> I'd love to tell you that that, that pain is going to go away, that simply walking with God just alleviates the pain and, or, or, or causes it to at least be, med you can medicate the pain with, with God. And here's the truth. It doesn't, that doesn't seem to be the case here, and it hasn't seemed to be the case in my life. And I don't read that consistently in the, the, the centuries now of people who've walked with God. That to take the word of God seriously will divide, and it will create suffering and hurt. I wish it weren't true, but it seems to be the path of this world because we live in a world that is still uh, suffering the effects of sin. My own, as well as the sin of others. But it's still there. And so we continue to walk with God. I want to jump ahead and skip down to a couple questions for us. A couple questions. Okay? I'm going to call the band. We're going to do another song here in just a second. I'm going to call the band down. We'll just talk through these. Just a couple questions from this passage. The first one is, whose glory do you share in? Whose glory are you sharing in? When Paul says that, that the, the church in Thessalonica was his, his joy and his glory, 
He's talking about it in an enmeshment in, in their lives at a spiritual level. And my tendency, and again, I think our tendency is, is to just let people just come and go. To just let people come and go. I couldn't tell you what's up with Tommy and Danielle and Joey and Danny and Amanda right now. And I hate to say it, but that's true of a lot of people in my life who've just kind of come and gone. And it's not that I can necessarily keep, keep everyone that present in my life at all times. But there's a very real question that we need to ask ourselves about, can I, is there anyone? Are there people that, that, that so they go, so it goes with me, that we are invested in one another in ways that, that, that we would say about one another, you are my joy and my glory. Maybe a spouse, but beyond that's not, that's not the context that Paul's referring to here. So whose glory do we share? And the last is this, have you accepted, have we accepted the word? Not just like, do I, do I, am I putting myself around it? But have I put the word of God? We around here talk about being unapologetically biblical, right? Like we, what that means is, to translate, we believe that where the Bible speaks, it speaks with full authority in my life. Have we accepted it? Have we really accepted it that way? That where the Bible speaks, I'm obligated to acknowledge that it speaks the truth in ways that I'm, I'm forced then to shape my life around it and not try to get, to get the Bible to, to, to be shaped around me. Have we accepted it that way? Received it? Or is it just sort of like passing through us? Is it just passing through us? I'm going to pray here. And I want to invite you like, to, to consider, because here's the thing. If, if the, the recipe for, for like drifting away from God is to drift away from his word and to drift away from his people. That's, those are the steps, right? Like to diminish the importance of his word and to diminish the importance of his people. And in this passage... In this passage, Paul reminds us that, like, there's these eternal things. They're the eternal things. The word, the body, the people, and God himself, they come together to, to, to give us just, this is what lasts. This is what's important. Stay with us. Let's pray. Father, we're, we thank you for being with us. We thank you for... Um, we thank you for your truth, and God, I also confess that um, that I, I I know I try to use your word to justify my life, or to, or when you speak, there's times I just want your voice to go away. So God, would you would you help us? And and God, I know you've given community to help us in that struggle that you've, you've put us together to, to wrestle with who you are and how you've revealed yourself and to take that seriously. And so, God, we ask today that you would help us. You would help us to, uh, to see. You would help us to, to, to know that, 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 that your word is truth and that we can't do this alone.
that we need others. And God, we, we thank you again. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. We thank you that you've made a way for us to have a new life. And we trust you for it. And we pray all of this, Jesus, because of you and thanking you. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, I think Carrie and Heather are going to join me up here. Yeah, I told you I'd call you out if you didn't come up, you know. Um, all right, so we've got actually your two of seven who are making themselves available for a trip that's going to start Friday, Saturday, right, to Honduras. Now, I'll tell you this. Two years ago, Carrie and I were in Honduras, and on our way out, Right, we, we are in the airport and we we're seeing people with masks on. Okay, two years ago, we're like, why are people wearing masks? And all of a sudden, here we are two years later after all this, after not being able to go to Honduras last year, and now we're finally, you guys are gonna get a chance to go back. So it's really exciting. Um, if you're new around here, let me give you a little background. Um, we, several years ago, many years ago now, we partnered with a family that was in the western mountains of Honduras who listened to the call of God. They moved there uh, over 20 years ago to, to be a part of starting a, a, a community there and building and training pastors who would then go into the villages, into the mountains of Honduras and share the good news of what Jesus had done. That was their goal. That was why they went there, to start this, okay? Along the way, all kinds of things came up because as you're trying to meet needs along the way, all of a sudden you realize, wow, in order for us to reach people We've got to have things like food that they, it's just not common there. Um, for kids, there's not common supplies there like we have here to be able to go to school. So if you get on the Sowers website, the Alan and Trish Sowers who started this, you, you'll see a whole bunch of things uh, that they are involved in, from coffee to backpacks to motorcycles for pastors to, I mean, are there more? I'm, I'm sure I'm missing some. There's a bunch of them. <clears throat> food. We, we did a food drive a little uh, at the beginning of this because they needed food. All kinds of things. And we, we just decided many years ago that we wanted to invest here with this family because we wanted, uh, we wanted a central place to be focused. And we had connections with the Sours. We had a, somebody who knew the Sours. That started the connection. In the meantime, we built this, this relationship, this beautiful relationship of having a sister church where we have a sister church in, in Arenales that we partner with, that we go and we spend time with. We've gone twice a year up until two years ago after we, we, everything's shut down. So these guys are going back in just a little bit. <clears throat> so excited for you guys and what you're going to do there. Um, they're going to go. Uh, distribute our backpacks that many of you packed. They're also going to go, um, as part of this trip, they're going to do a, a medical clinic there because we've got a couple nurses that are going uh, that are going to be able to help meet the needs of people in real time there. So I am I'm just so excited that we're able to get back here. But there, we this trip needs a lot of prayer around it <clears throat> because, as you know, things have not things are not settled. And so, and there are, are, there are um, people who canceled trips even this year because of the unsettledness of it. We're going, and so we need to just, just surround these guys with prayer. So I'd like to pray for them as they head out later this week. They'll be there for a week. They'll be ministering together. We've got five adults, two kids, 
Um, and then later on this summer, we're get, we have a whole uh, other group going with our youth group and, and adults as well. So would you just join me? I'm going to ask you if you would just put your hand out like this <coughs> to these guys, representing them and the whole team, and we're just going to pray for them. God, we didn't, didn't realize how much we missed our brothers and sisters in our analysis and Honduras until what's happened the last few years and to think of what they've been through. Uh, God, we know we've been through things too, but man, what they've been through. Um, so I want to pray for them first, for their ministry as they, they uh, build pastors among the Honduran people. And I want to pray for the incredible need there, God, for, um, uh, for just basic uh, things like food and school supplies and things of that nature. God, use us as you have in the past, to, to meet the needs there. And as this group goes, God, I pray that you would fill them with your spirit. I pray that you would, you would surround them uh, with protection on the way down. Would you protect any, all of, any and all of them from, from getting sick, um, from anything happening that would impede their trip? God, we're just going to ask that you would surround them in that way. Um, and God, as they go to, to minister uh, through meeting just needs of uh, physical needs of people who are sick, and as they distribute backpacks and build relationships with these people, God, and we're reminded even today that when Paul went for a short time with Thessalonians, you grew and did the fruit beyond, and we know that you're going to do that here too. So <clears throat> I pray, God, um, that this week would be a week of them, this team drawing together and ministering in your name. And we are just so grateful to be able to, to do this, that, that we have this opportunity, this window for this team to go. So be with them, God, and we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right. All right. I have a couple announcements for you. If we haven't met, my name is JR. Um, I'm on the staff team here as the next-gen guys, so kids and families all the way across the span. Um, for uh, lunch next week, no, in two weeks. Two weeks. Everything's in two weeks. This is what I have to remember. If I say anything else, it's all in two weeks. Um, lunch together. So you can bring your own lunch. We'll set up tables all around here. If you're like, I'm going to bring food for my whole table, and they're just going to get blessed if they end up sitting at my table, that's fine too. However you want to do lunch, uh, that would be great. It'll just be good to, to be together and hang out. Um, the second thing, and when Tom puts the, like, the four quadrants up on the screen, my head went to like, that, that one about redemption and how God's at work making things whole amongst what's broken. And I think about groups like um, Hope's Lantern and the Hilliard Food Pantry that are just working to help people who, for whatever reason, um, at that moment, just need some help with the basics like food. And so this past week, we got an opportunity to like be a little more hands-on with the Hilliard Food Pantry right back here. Um, and you guys went and handed out bags. And then Another group, or maybe the same people, some went and collected the bags, then you helped sorted the food. And so just a quick update, like, we collected 2,200 pounds of food, which I think they said that was good. Um, and then and then $1,000, because we had the, the envelopes clipped on here. But here's what's cool, is like, they could, they, the buying power that they have, what would cost us a dollar, cost them nine and a half cents. So that $1,000 with their buying power is more like close to $10,000. Now, again, they don't, they don't do math in Bible college, so someone can correct me on that later. Um, but that's good. And that's good. That I, I, was a, a good way to get to serve together. And the last thing, speaking of serving, we think serving is important. We think serving in your neighborhood is important. We think serving 
within this larger body is important. And I, what's cool is I think they both like help each other. They, they speak into each other. What we learn to do together, we can learn to do a little more uh, small scale in our neighborhoods. And what we learn small scale in our neighborhoods, we can do bigger here. And the other thing that is cool about serving, so neither of those is like better than the other. And the other thing with serving is that it brings people together across languages, across cultures, across ages. It teaches our kids especially something really important when, when they get a chance to serve alongside us and with us. So in two weeks, here's where two weeks is important again. In two weeks, we're going to do something called Intro to Serving, where we're going to just invite you to come think about what does it look like to serve here? What does it look like to let that translate into my where I, where I live as well? And so, and if you're like, well, but I've only been here a couple of weeks. Is that for me yet? Yep, come on. Like, there's no, like, time stamp on it. We, we want you to you'll meet people. It'll be good for your soul. It'll just be good. Yeah, so two weeks, intro to serving. Come, come check that out. Okay, that's all I got for you. We'll see you guys later.